welcome everybody to episode two of the NARAB Monthly Podcast, coming to you with some great people today. My name is Henry Rucker. I'm the financial and homeownership coaching manager for Project for Pride and Living, and I'm also a real estate broker for Banneker Realty. Today's podcast is money management. What do you know about budgeting, credit, and why it is important? Our guest today, we have Tiffany Phillips. She is with Bell Bank. She is a loan officer. We also have two great homeownership advisors. We have Jeff with Model Cities, and we have Aaliyah with Model, uh, excuse me, with PRG. We're going to start this session off today by going to Jeff, and we're going to really want to know, what does a homeownership advisor do, Jeff? What don't we do? <laughs> please tell us. Please tell us. That, that's the better question. No. Um, your homeownership advisor, we wear a lot of hats, but boiling everything down, we're problem solvers. People come to us and they say, hey, I want to buy a house. I don't know how. I don't know where to start. Um, so we really help walk them through that really complicated road to homeownership. Um, so that's one piece of what we do. We do that by meeting people one-on-one group education classes called Homestretch. Um, and another part that's not talked about enough, which we won't really highlight today, uh, we also help with the retention side of homeownership. So a lot of people that we help shepherd across to homeownership, they might find that's the easy part, right? Mm-hmm. People don't buy a house just for the sake of taking a picture with a for sale sign. They use that house to launch their dreams launch their businesses, launch their kids' education, um, help their kids or grandkids buy a house, start their legacy. Um, So we help them get to the starting line, but also in that journey, if they fall on hard times, we help them avoid foreclosure. Um, So we we do a lot of things. Okay. So Aaliyah, what would you add to that? Um, You know, what is the work of a homeownership advisor? I really think the work of a homeownership advisor is to support and to educate and to cheer on, you know, the people that come to us for assistance. Um, I think the way that I look at it is coaching. Um, We're called advisors, but I mean, for me, from my own experience, I, um, you know, I owned a home. I owned multiple homes, which is something that my grandmother taught me is like to always you want to always want to have your own. Um, And I did that. And I had multiple properties and I got married, had children, and then I went through a divorce. And so after that divorce, my whole situation changed and I lost everything, like literally everything and had to start from scratch. And at the time where I purchased my homes, it was you can do stated income, no doc. You know what I'm saying? Like those were the days where, hey, you want a home? You want a home? You want a home? Everybody can (laughs) have a home, home. Right. But that changed. And so after, um, you know, the foreclosure crisis and things like that, I had to come back and I wanted to rebuild. The problem with that was, for me, I didn't know the game anymore, right? I didn't have that information. And so I had to realize, number one, admit, I don't know how to play this game, right? And so if you ever want to be successful in playing a game, no matter what it is, you need a coach, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me... Um, I got connected with Henry and he was my financial coach. And so, um, you know, having that information and knowledge to say, hey, I want to get in the game. I want to play, but I want to play to win. Mm -hmm. Right. And so to be able to have a homeownership advisor say, this is what you need to do. This is how you're going to play it. This is what lenders are looking for. Right. And so that was an important part of number one, just me saying, I don't know. You know what I mean? And so for people to come to us, we know that that's a big step, you know, to make that call because you're admitting, hey, I need a coach. You know what I mean? So let's let's tie into that a little bit. Um, You both are saying that you work with people one on one, which is great. What you know, I think one of the barriers that we see sometimes with people that we work with is budgeting. Right. So how do we help people do a budget when they come to you? What are you looking for in a budget? I wouldn't say there's a one-size-fits-all approach at all. That's kind of where we throw off the playbook a little bit. We just get to know the person we're sitting across from. Mm -hmm. What brought you to me? Where do you want to go? What timeline do you want to get there? That's really where all our conversations start. Um, The budget is a real core component of that conversation. To identify where you are, we got to put the numbers on the page. Um, Find out how much money is coming in, how much money is going out. And then we match that with what you tell me your goals and timelines are. 
So as an advisor too, we build to help you build a plan and execute that plan to get you from where you are to where you want to go. And it starts at the budget. Numbers on paper. So one thing I heard you say too, and I think is key, um, when we're talking about numbers, right? We're talking about budgeting. We're talking about people trying to go on to home ownership. What do you believe you see a lot of why people maybe don't budget? It can feel intimidating. It's it's a game that people aren't used to playing. And we've all inherited rules of how to play this game. Um, and I don't this ain't the podcast for this, but this reasons why we aren't used to knowing how to play this game. And people don't know how to build a budget because they've never really been taught. We don't talk about that. We're talking like people don't talk money at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. People don't share uh, stuff about income. Mm -hmm. People don't share how the bills are paid. Right. So when it's our turn, what do we do? We react trial and error, mm -hmm. trial and error, trial and error until we find something that works. Right. I would think as a former banker, um, I think one thing I used to learn or I did, I go into the bank every morning, log in. This was before online banking and check my bank account. You see what the debits had went through and where my balance was. So I asked that what we do have apps, right? We have different ways of people looking at budgeting, but what do we do or how can we maybe provide them with something? So when they were to come into one of your offices, maybe model cities or PRG, what would you give them maybe as a tool to start that budgeting process? So we have um, different templates, I guess. We start with like a regular Excel sheet. Gabe, would you mind pulling that up so we can uh, show the show the folks at home? Oh, I was expecting to see it on the TV. I guess not. I <laughs> but, there, it's coming. Oh, there it's coming. Okay. Um, sorry, I got to give you more than 30 seconds to pull it up. <laughs> um, but this is an example of what we would look at first. Um, ideally, we want you to try to fill that out at home, but mm -hmm. come as you are. If this is your first time, that's completely okay. Um, but you can see at the top, we first start with the money. Where's your money coming from? Uh, your main job, your side hustle, any other money that you have that's being deposited in your account, we want to talk about. We're not the IRS. Uh, we're not Uncle Sam. So we just want to know where are we at and start with the income is the first way to go. Then we move down section by section, telling us from what you remember, what do you know of where your money goes? Um, starting with the big, then moving down to the small. Um, and that's the first session. Um, we're good, Gabe. So after, after we put numbers on the paper, you know, that's sometimes a lot of people's first time seeing their actual spending mm -hmm. on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite questions is once we get down, once we take income, subtract expenses, and we see that figure at the bottom, plus or minus, mm -hmm. does that match what you feel in your real life? A lot of times people say no, mm -hmm. no. So sometimes people are having a, a coming to Jesus moment yeah. when they sit down and do that budget for the exactly. first time and really hone in. Mm -hmm. um, I know one thing that we talk about a lot um, at PPL as well is the different line items. I don't think people pay attention to on a budget, such as your cell phone, mm -hmm. your Internet, Hulu, Netflix, eating out. Mm -hmm. You know, we always tell people whenever you don't eat at home, that's considered eating out. And I also would say even entertainment. Right. Are we really tracking what we spend our money on when it comes to entertainment? Because today's Friday, if we happen to leave here and we go somewhere, that would be technically entertainment. Yep. So I do think it's good for us to start with people. And do you guys consider it like a foundation? Um, so like when we build a house, we got to have a solid foundation. So we're going to start with that budget. That gives us the tools to then maybe move to the next level. How do you really get people to understand it's not like etched in stone, but it can change maybe month to month over time to really get them comfortable on that? So what Gabe showed earlier is just the first round of what we do. Um, we put numbers on the paper and say, hey, this is where I think I'm at. I don't know for sure, but this is where I think I am. Uh, more times than not, we have people talking about, I make good money, you know, but my savings is empty. Uh, where's that money going? Is there a hole in the bottom of my wallet? I don't know. About, right? <laughs> right, right, um, right. So that's the first step, the, 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 the sample that, that Gabe showed. We take that a step further. We have a budget specialist at Model Cities that we really walk down. Hey, bring your statement to the next meeting. Bring your statements, credit cards, everything. Let's talk about it mm -hmm. line by line. Um, let's figure out where that hole is in that wallet. And then we'll see how about patching it up. Right. What can we do to patch that hole up? So I just want to ask one quick question and bring Tiffany on this. Um, you mentioned a bank statement. So I have heard, this is getting a little bit off track here, but I had heard that if a person brings a bank statement to you as a lender and they have non-sufficient fund overdrafts, how do you guys look at that as a lender? 
We will um, con- factor it into the equation. It kind of shows that you have a cash flow issue and you have um, an issue managing your money. Mm-hmm. So you will provide us with an explanation as to why your account became overdrawn those times and what um Items have you put in place to avoid that happening in the future? Because we don't want one of your insufficient items down the road to be your mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that goes into other issues where then you need to reach out to someone like Jeff and Model City for retention and, you know, helping you avoid that. So um, we're going to pay attention to that. But it doesn't mean you can't qualify for a home because you've had some overdrawn issues. We will just speak to what you've done to improve that situation so it doesn't happen again. Okay. And that's why... When you all talked about this podcast, I got so excited. Homeownership advisors don't get that mountain to shout on top of to see what we do. Mm-hmm. We know the game because mm-hmm. we meet mm-hmm. with the Tiffany's of the world. Mm-hmm. They tell us what they look for and that we can help set our clients up to give them the answers before they take the test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what right. we do. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, my bad. I, so I, so I, let I, me ask you guys this. Um, we have model cities at the table, PRG. And Bell Bank, along with uh, PPL, I feel like this is a strong network. How do we get more people in the community that maybe have never heard of NARAB, never heard of any of these uh, organizations to feel comfortable with coming in and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to go meet with Aaliyah. Uh, She is a homeownership advisor. But as you mentioned, you're maybe more of a coach where I don't feel intimidated to come in and kind of give you all my information, give you my bank statements, give you my pay stubs. Um, What do you think is probably different with working with a person like yourself versus maybe another agency that is for profit? Um, I think what you just said is key is that we're not for profit. So this is not about money. You know, the people that are in our positions, they're here because they're passionate about the work. They want to see people win, you know? And so that's part of the reason why I got into it is because I came you know, I overcame all of those barriers and now I know the game, how to, how to play the game. Mm -hmm. And so my thing, you know, especially for our people is to say, I'm here to help, not to judge. I can tell you my story that I've been there. I made it through and now I'm reaching back and I want to be, I want to see you win. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that's one of the biggest thing is the experience as well and the representation. So people, we want to see people of color in homes. Well, we have to see those same people of color you know, representing saying I did it and you can do it too, you know, especially, I mean, I think for me, um, the population that really needs to hear it is, um, single black women, I think, um, because they're the ones that are most impacted by affordable housing, the lack of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think making that transition from being a renter to a homeowner is huge and it impacts the children. And so I think, you know, just having those conversations, being that face, being that voice, um, to say, I did it. You can do it. Yeah, I would strongly agree with that. I do think I'll say this, too. I think that one thing we want to work on is if you're not paying your mortgage, you're paying somebody else's mortgage. And in everybody's budget, there's going to be an expense for housing. Yes. It's either going to be a rent payment or it's going to be a mortgage payment. And I know we're passionate about, especially through NARAB, TC, is making sure that people are homeowners so they can build long-term wealth. But now that I got my budget together, I sat down, I met with Jeff, I met with uh, Leah. Now I'm going to maybe talk about credit here. So I'm going to go see Tiffany. I think I got my budget right. What does my credit need to look like? What is credit, Tiffany? What do you guys consider credit from a lending standpoint? You know, simply put, credit is basically a way to get something now and pay for it later. Mm -hmm. So you may have had credit with a car loan. You get your car now and you're making payments on it. So you're paying for it later. Same with the house, same with the credit card. So that's essentially what credit is. Um, And you establish or kind of make it up by getting these accounts, right? And your credit is basically your character. It tells us how likely you are to do what you agreed to do. Mm-hmm. And so basically you agree to repay the lender for, you know, what they provided to you mm-hmm. and your credit, essentially your credit report is Think about your report card at school. Mm-hmm. Your report card at school said what what class you took and how you performed in that class. Your credit report that 
every one of us had that the three bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, we all have report cards there mm-hmm. that will have not the class we took, but the account that we took mm-hmm. out and how we performed on that account. So that's what we're essentially going to look for when you come to us um, to start your pre-approval process to become a homeowner. We're going to pull your credit report card to essentially tell us how likely you are to repay the loan um, that we got. Now, you essentially have to start with, you know, building some credit. Um, for me, I didn't start very young. Um, well, kind of. 19, <laughs> I, I was at college. Oh, yeah. They were right there in our student union offering credit yes. cards, right? And I hadn't been um, educated or coached on the best way to use credit. So it's like, whoa, I got a credit mm-hmm. card. I can go buy some stuff. Mm-hmm. That wasn't ideal. And, you know, I ended up paying for that. And bad credit is expensive. So you can, mm-hmm. you know, you'll end up having repercussions to um, negative activity or behavior. So I learned from that. But you kind of have to set yourself up. So when we talk about establishing credit, I have a son. He's 22 now. But when he was 14, I added him to credit cards that mm-hmm. I have. So he became an authorized user. Mm-hmm. I didn't give him a card, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to do anything special. You can go to any of your credit card companies and add an authorized user. That essentially builds credit history for mm-hmm. him without him even taking any credit out. So right. when he turned 18, he had a credit score of like 780 just mm-hmm. from being on my credit for um, a few years. So right. that was a way to set him up. I was actually thinking not only just setting him up for success, I was thinking, well, maybe when it was time for him to go to school, if we needed some loans, mm-hmm. maybe he could just get him on his own and <laughs> right, I wouldn't right. have to co-sign. they like, no, that don't, that don't he work. He ain't got you no income at that time. Yeah, they're like, no, you still, you still need to do that. So uh, I think it's good for parents, when, when, like Aaliyah had mentioned, single um, women, yeah. um, single parents, that'd be a great thing for them to do for their kids to kind of set them up for that. Mm -hmm. In addition, like the housing counselors or advisors at the nonprofits, they can set you up with credit builder loans, things Mm -hmm. to just kind of help give you credit depth so it builds some character for you so we Mm -hmm. can see how likely you are to repay. Now, there are instances where you may come to us and you don't have a credit score. That doesn't mean we can't move forward with you. We may use a different type of... um, mortgage loan where we don't have to look at your actual credit report. We'll look at things like how you've paid your rent, um, mm-hmm. how you paid your utility bills and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but credit is important. And as I indicated, bad credit is expensive. So mm-hmm. if um, Gabe, if you can pull up the slide on the vehicle purchase and I'll um, show how expensive credit can be. So for those who are in top tier credit, and I'll talk a little bit about how um, credit is not established, but how your credit score is determined. But as you can see, there's a range of credit. And we look at FICO's from 300 to 850 is um, the range. So those who have credit scores in the 720 to 850 range, you can see on the screen that their interest rate or APR is much lower than those in the 500 credit score. So if a borrower has a 720 credit score in their buying a car for $18,000 over five years, that borrower is going to pay $326 a month. Whereas if someone has that 500 credit score and they go to car hop and they're willing Mm -hmm. to give them a loan, they're going to give you a loan. But again, it's going to cost you more because bad credit is expensive. And as lenders, we base your interest rate or how much we um, charge on the risk that we're taking. Mm -hmm. So essentially, if you have a lower credit score, um, you're higher risk to the bank and we're going to price your loan accordingly. So that person with that 500 credit score, they're going to pay an extra $100 per month. And over the life of the loan, that's an extra Mm $6,000. So um, it's important to you know, do what you can to keep your credit positive, mm-hmm. work with the housing advisors and financial advisors that can help you rebuild your credit so you don't continue to pay for negative credit. Because as I said, bad credit is expensive. So I kind of heard in there too. So looking at the, the chart, if I have a higher credit score, I'm less risk to the lender. So I'm going to get the better interest rate. If I have a lower credit score, I'm more risk to the lender. So I'm going to get a, a higher interest rate. But let me ask you this to all three of you here is I think a lot of times people think, well, I got the car, though. Well, I qualify for the car, but we're not really maybe looking at how much we're actually paying over time for the car. Mm -hmm. And then so let me ask on top of that, why is credit so important? Because what can we do in this world without having credit? I mean, 
Nothing. I mean, when you go apply, rather, if say you're not interested in home ownership this year, you're just going to re-sign your lease. Um, a lot of times, not re-sign, but get a lease. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're pulling credit and they will debase their decision to rent to you on that. Mm-hmm. You get a car and you go to your auto insurance provider. Mm-hmm. They're going to base your premium on your credit score. You apply for a job. They may pull your credit and base their decision to hire you on your Character, Mm -hmm. that's what your credit report is telling them. Mm -hmm. So it may um, prevent you from having an opportunity like moving into this place or getting this um, job, Mm -hmm. or it could just cost you more money. So in the example we just showed, that person with the best credit is paying $100 less than that person with that 500 credit score. That's $6,000 that they could be saving towards coming up with um, their down payment or money to help for, you know, sending their kids to college or whatever that may be, that's money that they could put towards that versus, you know, paying the lender more because their credit score is lower. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you're coming from lack and a scarcity mindset, Mm. you know, someone saying yes is huge. Yes. You know what I mean? Because we don't like to be told no. Right. You know what I mean? And so I don't care who it is. Car hop home choice. You said yes, and I have a need and this is going to fill the need. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's a quick fix. It's the right now, you know, that this is what I can get right now. And the fact that they said, yes, girl, they gave me, you know, Mm -hmm. I I just got a car, but you're not, you're not thinking about the long-term effects of that. And like you said, you know, what else could you be doing with that money? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem like a big thing. It was like, oh, I got $425. Okay, yes. but you, it could have been 325 if yes. you would have, yep. you know, been planning ahead and preparing your credit so that you can get the best rate. And so I think that's one of the biggest things is to change our mindset. Mm-hmm about how we look at credit and look at the yes, just because it's a yes doesn't mean that you should do it or get it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And then cars so, are a huge thing too. Oh. So, I mean, when I think about, you know, we're going to talk about um, building wealth on our um, next money management episode. But when I think about cars and factoring and affordability, deciding affordability for an individual, car payments are so expensive yeah. for some people and it impacts how much house they can qualify for. And they'd be like, well, I can't get anything with that it's Mm -hmm. like well if your car payment weren't seven hundred dollars which is actually the average cost of a car payment in the united states now this year is seven hundred dollars so i think um as a community we want we need to get to the house then car mentality so we're not bringing in not that we don't need a car because we need a car to get to work but we don't need to take on massive debt and massive monthly liabilities for this car that's truly just depreciating in value when we could have that capacity towards something else so in an ideal world yes it is house first then car yeah you know sometimes you're dealt the cars that you dealt. yeah for sure you need a car yeah you need a car that's where planning comes into play mm-hmm. that's where let's map it out let's look to see where take inventory yeah. how much money do i have how much money can i afford and let's peek into the future for sure how much money will i need mm-hmm. down the road mm-hmm. build a plan and execute it yeah and exactly. maybe we be more mindful on the cost of you know the car we know right. you exactly. need a car but do you need a fifty thousand dollar car or can you get a twenty thousand dollar right you know so that kind of loops back into that budgeting piece right so um, i would i would ask this question as well so we talked about that difference was about $6,000, Yes. Mm-hmm. right? So um, I always like to go back to what Warren Buffett says to pay yourself first. So if I'm giving the car dealership an extra $6,000, how does that affect my budget? How does that affect my savings, my long-term goals? So then I ask if I have nothing, if I have a zero credit score right now, how do I establish credit, Tiffany? Well, you'll get things like, I, you know, we can go to the advisors and get some credit builder loans. You can connect with your network and get added to their accounts as mm-hmm. like um, authorized users. As I said, I did um, to my son. Mm-hmm. In addition to working with the nonprofits and getting the credit builder loans, there are actual entities that do it like self. You can get a loan mm-hmm. there where it's really forcing you to save, mm-hmm. but they're going to report that on your credit report. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people may have to start with the secured credit card. You Absolutely. go to your bank or credit union, um, maybe you apply for a regular credit card. They say we you don't have any credit history, so they'll give you one that you have to secure with funds. Mm-hmm. Maybe take three hundred dollars out of your savings account, and you'll use that to secure a card and start establishing um, credit that way. Mm-hmm. So you'll do those things to build credit, and then um, your credit score. There are different factors that come into play that determines what your credit score is. Gabe, if you can show um, that credit score. 
slide, that'd be great. So when we think about the credit score and it being a pie up to a 850, it's actually broken into percentages. So your credit score, the biggest um, component of that is your payment history. Mm -hmm. That's again, your character. How likely are you to repay that? So that's 35% of your credit score. That's why if you have a late payment, you will see your credit score impacted greatly. So think about credit cards. Say you're used to paying $100 a month, even though your payment is $20 and you don't have that $100 right now, make that minimum payment of $20 at least before it's due so you don't have this late payment. So there's 35% of that is late payment. And then the next largest portion is utilization. It's like, how much do you owe on the account? So it says amounts owed there. How much do you owe on the accounts that um, are available to you? So if you have a Capital One card and that limit is $1,000, what's the balance you're keeping on that? Ideally in the industry, we say you want to keep that under 30% of the limit. So you would not want your statement to cut with the balance more than than $300, that'd be 30%. And I find that most of my um, clients, that's the quickest way for them to impact their credit score and make a positive change by lowering how much they owe on the revolving accounts that they have available to them. The next largest portion is the length of your credit history. And that's why we in the um, industry will tell you, do not close your credit cards um, because that will shorten your history. Um, so we want a long credit history. And then we have the next two are the same percentage. We want a credit mix. And then if you're getting new credit. So ideally, you want a good mixture of credit, not just credit cards. You want to go get a loan, too. So I talked about adding um, my son to build up his credit score. Once he turned 18, I thought he should have a mix of credit. So we went to the credit union and say we need a $500 loan. They gave him a small $500 loan. We just put that $500 in the savings account. And they just took the monthly payment out of it. I think he ended up paying like $20 over the two years of that loan for the interest. But I think that was a good cost to pay for that loan to be on there. So you want to mix and not just have credit cards. Mm -hmm. And then that new credit, that's where we look at credit inquiries. You don't want to just be out there applying for credit because all those um, entities that go to pull your credit, we're going to see that. And those inquiries make up 10% of your credit score. So it's like a pie, again, with the biggest component being payment history. So you want to make sure you're making those payments on time at all costs to avoid um, your credit score dropping. But that's essentially what your credit score is made up of. So I have a question on that. Um, I'd like to bring to Aaliyah and Jeff. So if um, they're working with you guys at your local nonprofit at Model Cities or PRG, do you guys actually pull credit for the participants that you're working with, and how does that work? Yeah, we both, uh, all, all of the networks, uh, all of the organizations in our network, we pull credit as a part of our advising session. It's all about trying to get to figure out where you're at right now. Um, and people come to us a lot of the time using Credit Karma. All of that stuff, they, they, which gives them a score. So you tell me Credit Karma's not a real score? It's a it's score. A you yeah. know, it's a number. Okay. What that number is used for are different things. Right. Um, if you're looking to want to buy a house, work with the Tiffany's of the world to buy a house, they use a different number. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. people get confused. The why is that number that I looked at online before I met with you different than the number that you just pulled from me now? Mm -hmm. Goes back to we want to prepare our clients to get the answers to the test before they step into the office. Mm -hmm. So credit, if this chart isn't confusing enough, there's systems within the system algorithms within the algorithms they give you different scores for the same exact behavior yeah right based on whether you're buying like a car or house or applying for a credit card there's different models within the models so so let's let's just repeat that again so if i go to apply for a mortgage loan the algorithms could be different in factoring my score versus if i go down to the local department store to get a credit card yes so i really want people to pay attention to that out in this world then also if you run my credit is that a hard hit or is that a soft hit? Soft. Soft is my belly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's variations, right? So when the housing counselors run your credit as a part of your uh, advising session, they're going to do a soft pull so no one else as lenders exactly. can see that they did that. But when you apply with me, you're actually asking for credit. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a hard pull and that inquiry will show up on your credit report. So mm -hmm. soft pull will not show up, will not have an impact on your credit score. But when you come to a loan officer and pull your credit, 
credit um, that will show up. It could have an impact, but we, you all as advisors will advise consumers to, you know, shop, talk to multiple people when they're looking at purchasing a home. And so if you do that within a short period of time and have mm-hmm. those inquiries, all of them will not count. So it's kind of built into um, kind of advise you and encourage you to shop around so you won't have the impact of four credit pools if we all pull them within let's say a two week period you can totally do exactly. that exactly so yeah, yeah we, we pull your credit it's free mm-hmm. you get the credit so no scores. cost no cost oh man that's lovely i mean just your time yeah you but that's an investment that's right? lovely yes. that time is an investment to get the information you need to build a plan to win the game you stepped out to win mm-hmm. um I had some other thoughts, but I'll let Leah talk. I'm sure she'll jog, jog my memory what, was, what I was going to say. No, I was just going to um, kind of go with what Tiffany was saying, which was when you have those minimum payments, it's important to pay those. Like I teach my kids, anybody that I talk to, it's like protect your credit like your life depends on it. Because the quality of life does. Mm-hmm. Your quality of life. What you have access to. So that's really important. I know that sometimes when you're juggling, you know, you're all, you're trying to figure out, okay, somebody's going to have to wait. Like, I only have this amount of money. Where is it going to go? And so just realizing that this is going to show up. People are going to be able to see this, you know. And mm-hmm. so you want to make sure, even if you have to borrow, make something wait, you know, just focus in on the credit because that's going to matter long term. It will cost you down it the road. Absolutely. So I, hear, it's so I hear you telling me if, if I got a choice between making my credit card payment or going out with my friends this weekend, um, it's, it's more important for you to make that even, credit card payment. You better pay that's that not credit even card. Choice. I know. Okay. Yeah. That's not, okay. You're playing yourself. If you go out instead of paying the credit card, it's a bad choice. Yeah, and, and you will see the repercussion. You could see the repercussions of that pretty quickly. Say you don't pay that credit card and your credit score goes down and now you're up for renewal for your auto insurance and now your credit score is taking a tumble you may find that your insurance premium is going to be higher the next time you renew because you've had that negative thing happen on your credit it's an expensive choice to me yes it is right it's an expensive choice to me it comes out somewhere right Mm -hmm. um gabe can we pull up that little pie chart again Uh, as one of i i think i remembered what i was going to say before um i forgot it so in an advising session, after we start with the budget, we look at this pie chart and really focusing on the ones on the left, uh, on my left at least, the 30% and the 35%. Those are the two biggest categories like Tiffany mentioned. And if you look online on how to best handle collections, if you look online to see or talk to your friends, how do you handle your credit cards? You'll get different answers. I bet if we talk about that right now, we might get four different answers talking about how to best balance that 30%. Um so Tiffany mentioned 30% of your total credit card balances is what you should maintain. As a home ownership advisor, I get really aggressive about that. And I want to make sure people put in their best foot forward. I take that a couple of steps further. Ten. I say get to get to zero. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Get to zero. Okay. As close as you can manage to a zero balance, mm-hmm. that's going to be your best foot forward to maximize the potential of your credit score. And that's what it's all about. Uh, remembering back that slide with the car loan. A difference between a 680 and a 720 could be what 20 something bucks a month, right? That may not feel like a lot, but you add five years of payments mm-hmm. that's a chunk of change that you could use for something else. For sure. mm-hmm. So, your mortgage is the biggest loan you're going to take out in your life, probably. Mm-hmm. Every penny, every percentage matters, yes. So, yes. so I want to also ask on this. Um, I do wonder sometimes. Um, I love the work that you guys are doing at Model Cities and PRG and Tiffany um, as a loan officer because again, I think that's the mission of NARAB TC is to educate the community. But my my question is going to be: Is how do we get more people to trust the process that we are here for them and that we are trying to help them build long term wealth? Um, and I and I think we're trying to financially empower them so once they become a homeowner. They become, they stay a successful homeowner. And maybe even they be, when they become a homeowner, when they go to buy the car, they think about, they're like, do I need the $50,000 car? Or do I need the $20,000 car? How do we get more people in the community to entrust in the process? That's the million dollar question. Um, most people, when they want to buy a car, they want to buy a house, they go straight to the bank. They go straight to the dealership. Um, and your homeownership advisor is that intermediary. We are the person you go to first so you don't get burned. Mm-hmm. We are the person you go to first to help build that plan um, so that you can walk into that office with extreme confidence 
that you already have what it takes to get not just approved, Mm -hmm. but approved under the best possible circumstances that you can manage. And you only get that confidence by taking the time, investing the energy into learning how the game is played and structuring your own finances to optimize, to get the optimized result. Um, So to gain trust in the system, you hire one of us, somebody that's for free. For free. I don't don't work for any bank. There's no strings on me. I work for you, Mr. and Mrs. Client, that comes in my door and says, this is what I want to accomplish Mm -hmm. in my life. How do I get there? Then we take all that information. We say, hey, Bell Bank, U.S. Bank, wherever, they offer the programs that fit hand in glove Mm -hmm. what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sorry, Bell Bank, sorry, U.S. Bank, start bidding wars against each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Position yourself first. Right. So your homeownership advisor is the only party in that transaction, in any transaction, that doesn't collect a paycheck at the end of the day. Mm. So you can our, the way we make our money, the way our organizations make our money, is by taking the people and creating an environment where they are optimized financially, where they are empowered. They have higher credit scores. They have higher savings. That's how we get our bills paid. Yeah. Is we're able to give and help people afford that luxury of choice. Um, I like that luxury of choice. Mm-hmm. You, have you have to earn that luxury. Yeah, you have to sure. work for it. So what I, what I also hear, though, we are collaborating. So when you said, Jeff, that we're asking U.S. Bank, Bell Bank, Bremer Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, we're asking them to bring their, put their best foot forward, mm-hmm. right? And what I also heard out of that is that it's like a, having a puzzle box. As Leah mentioned, that we're teaching them how to play the game. Mm-hmm. We're teaching them the rules of the game. And we're also making sure that they have all their pieces of their puzzle. In the puzzle box, when they sit down and, and, and talk to Tiffany, say, hey, Tiffany, I want to apply for a mortgage with you. We pretty much know they're going to be approved. Right. right. And I do think exactly. that holds a lot of power. So my next follow up would be with that. How do I maintain that good credit score once I get to home ownership? I say the best way to maintain it, going back to the slide that we have on there, you have to continue to make your payments on time. And that's 35% of your credit score. So continue to make your payments on time. Don't start over-utilizing your cards. Again, those are the biggest components of your credit score. So as long as you're not changing your behavior and how you use your credit, Mm -hmm. you should not see a negative impact on your credit score as you're working through the process. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, us as nonprofit partners, our goal isn't just to get you in a house. Our goal is to make sure your finances are as optimized as you can manage it. So mm-hmm. if you want to keep working with me, great. Keep working with me. Let's let's keep that line of communication open. We don't charge by the hour. We don't charge at all. Right. We just want to talk to you and make sure you got what you need. Mm-hmm. So when I become a successful homeowner, I don't have I'm not automatically re- exited out of your program, I can come back, you know, a year later, two years later and say, hey, Jeff, Leah, I want to sit down with you and maybe maybe refinance is good for me. Maybe it's not good for me. I'm thinking about buying a car. Um, so let me ask you this. If I don't have credit, though, again, right, how do I start to Tiffany mentioned some credit bit of loans? You mentioned Credit Sesame, uh, Credit Karma. If I want to pull my credit for free just to start before I met with you, how would I go about doing that? You can go to uh, the annualcreditreport.com. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, a website through the government that you can, I think right now you're able to pull it as often as once a week uh, while the pandemic is still going on. So that's one option. Another option is just going to our websites, our nonprofit websites, uh, PRG, PPL, Model Cities. Um, we can pull that for you for free. Pick up the phone, go online, hit us up. We'll mm-hmm. get you started. Okay. So what I'm also hearing a community is that um, you can go to annualcreditreport.com, but it would make no sense if you're not calling one of these local nonprofits here to get your credit report pulled for free. Mm-hmm. And if I believe, if I'm right, it is a tri-merge credit report, right? That looks very similar to the one that Tiffany would pull at Bell Bank. Yes. So you're getting all three scores. Yep. And Tiffany, uh, kind of talk about this. What score do you use out of the Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax? What score do you use as a lender? Great question. It actually depends on the consumer's credit profile. So we're going to get your score from each of the three bureaus. We're going to toss out your highest score. And we're also going to toss out your lowest score. And whichever one is that middle one, that's the one we're keeping. So let's say you have um, a 680, a 700, and a 720. We're tossing out that 680 and that 720, and we're going to move forward with that 700 to um, price your loan and move forward and determine which products you use. So we will get all three, but we get to 
toss a couple of them out and just use that middle one. Okay. You also mentioned, I'm going to go back to the school. So, you know, I'm a, I was a bad student at times in school. <laughs> so I'm, I'm tardy a few times to class. So I start getting that, that A drops down to a C, drops down to a D, then maybe even an F. So if I had that late payment on my credit report, I missed that late payment. I decided to go out with my friends for final four and I didn't make my credit card bill. How do you suggest I get back on track? Can I call you guys and say, hey, Jeff, Aaliyah, you know what? I went out last weekend. I had a great time and I missed my credit card payment. How do I then start to dig myself out of that little rut I maybe put myself in? So the first part that we want to do is make sure we get stability in that payment history. So if we miss a payment, there's something that goes wrong in the budget. There's some money that was misaligned. One bucket of money got put in a bucket it shouldn't have gotten into. So when we look at credit, people often separate the two. We combine it. It's all one conversation. Um, so we first look at the spending. Okay, how, do, how did that happen? Talk to me. Um, then we help build a plan so that doesn't happen again. Um, people think that because they miss one payment, that means their dream is deferred indefinitely. People think because they have a 580 credit score, homeownership's not for me. You'd be surprised at how quickly when we optimize that pie chart, yes. we put all the things together. It's not just about this. It, it can go boom. Mm -hmm. um, especially when we mark up, we as nonprofits, we have access to different credit builder loans that the banks don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Again, we're not in it to collect your money. We're in it for the mission. Mm -hmm. and the mission is to get your credit score up, get your savings up. Um, we all have access in this room to 0% credit builder loans. Mm -hmm. You go to a bank, good luck trying to find anything under 15% mm -hmm. that they're going to charge you. Mm -hmm. um, so if you find yourself in a position where you missed a payment, you don't have credit, call us. We can set you up with resources that are not mainstream. For free. For free. Right. <laughs> one one, one, very th close to one thing I love, too, yeah. that we, we, we have hit on a few times is the credit builder loan. Sometimes I do think that people think the only way to build credit is through a credit card. Mm -hmm. That is a great way. That would also be known as a revolving account. Then you could have a credit builder loan that's considered an installment account. Let me, I want to circle back to the budget piece, though, again, because I still believe that if we're missing a payment, our budget may not be 100% right. So yeah. should the budget be the same every month? Or is it going to fluctuate throughout the year? I always tease people, you know, that we know Christmas comes every year in December, mm -hmm. right? Our kid, If we have kids, the birthday comes every year. Mm -hmm. Are we putting in our budget, are we putting actually an expense item in our budget for those, those, those dates? Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think in most cases, people don't. You know, you just don't think about that. That's like, I'm, you're going to do it regardless. Mm -hmm. And you haven't budgeted for it. So that's usually where people go wrong. So those are the times where you're saying, oh, shoot, where did this money go? Because you haven't accounted for it. So that's really important. And I think, you know, once you have your budget established for that moment, but it fluctuates, it is going to change. Um, and I think that's one of the things, you know, to realize is like, oh, you know, I fell off or, you know, I put some money over here. OK, well, let's create a new budget and mm -hmm. now let's account for those gifts and, you know, birthdays and holidays and things like that, because they're going to come. If you're in a relationship, you're gonna, probably going to spend something on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things that we just don't account for. You just say, oh, I'm going to do it. It's one hundred dollars. It's this. It's that. But yeah. that's money yeah. that you haven't accounted for. That is. Well, yeah, I'm going to steal something I heard you say. Okay. Okay. Budgeting can be seasonal, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. Explain seasonal. What do you mean by what do you mean? What, what do you mean? He's budgeting not. can I'm be seasonal. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give credit to the source. No, no, there you go. go I'm going to butcher it anyway, no, Aliyah, okay. Please. Okay. So some people come to us in the summer. Right? Yeah. Where everything's growing, everything's prosperous. Yes. We're having a good time. Yeah. It's especially important to budget when things are good. Yeah. Because it's not going to be summer for long. Right. Me in Minnesota, we've been in, what, seven months of winter. Yeah. <laughs> winter is going to come at some point. Absolutely. And if you don't plan for it, it's going to kick your butt. Yeah. Um, so a bit of planning can go a long way right. yeah. to make, what was the phrase? Make hey, while the sun's shining or whatever. The, uh, I don't oh, know these no. things. <laughs> right. so you, you get the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sure. Right. Um, sure. Sorry if I butchered your, no, I, I really, it, it stuck to me. But that's again. exactly right. I mean, life goes in seasons, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. You're all, you're never always going to be up. You yeah. know what I mean? So you have to plan for those cold seasons. You yes. have to plan for the times where things aren't as good. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, in my situation, hey, I had it. You know, at some point I had it. Mm -hmm. multiple cars, multiple houses, money I could spend. 
But what I didn't do is I didn't plan for the cold season. Yeah. I didn't plan for the winter. So there was nothing put aside. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so, but that's something that I had to admit to myself. I didn't have to go out and make a major announcement. Yeah. I had to sit back and assess and say, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was about me. That was a personal conversation that I had, yeah. which is how I ended up reaching out to an advisor to say, I admit it. Yeah. And we all need I to have up. those conversations. Absolutely. Sure. So I'll also say this. I encourage, uh, we kind of consider this, I would say, a, this is we're at a table, almost like a Sunday evening dining room table conversation, mm -hmm. is how do we have these conversations with our children? I know, Tiffany, you mentioned that you helped your son by putting him on your account as authorized signer. But how do we make these more common, especially in the African-American communities, that we're having conversations about savings, we're having conversations about credit score, how to build credit. How do we make sure that for those tuning in for the podcast, we appreciate you. But how do we make sure other people are tuning in? How do we make sure this becomes the norm? Right. Because a lot of times I think when we hear I have a good credit score, we're kind of like, oh, what? You got a 750 credit score? Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're thinking they're going to come in with that 580 credit score ourselves right. sometimes. And I'm not going to say us at this table, but I definitely think lenders do. I definitely think a lot of lenders believe that when you're dealing with a person of color, especially in the BIPOC community, that they're not going to have the savings. They're not going to have the credit because as Aaliyah mentioned earlier, they didn't know the rules of the game. So we're kind of coming behind. How do we make this the norm for our community? I think just talking about it, there's nothing yeah. to it but to do it. Right. right. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right now. But I think if you're looking for a place to start, just start, right. you know. And we have to share. So those those that are tuned in, great, you're getting the information, but you should share it with your loved ones, mm -hmm. share it with your cousin, share yeah. with your best friend at work, share it, share it, share it, say, mm -hmm. here, watch this. Mm -hmm. They're giving some good information. And then watch the others as part of the series because we're going to continue to give information to help you um, position yourself in the best, you know, like exactly. for um, advancement. Right. Start with your inner circles, the people you trust, yep. right? Yep. And then branch out as you get more comfortable talking about it. Open that circle up. Now, everybody doesn't need to know how much money is in your bank account, 100%. right? Yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's a line somewhere. But yeah. talking about money, especially with the little ones, Absolutely. getting them hip to the game, understanding how the game is played, what language is used, mm -hmm. what are the pieces to that puzzle? Mm -hmm. Talk about mm -hmm. it at dinner. Mm -hmm. Just start. Do you guys ever encourage um, people that you work with um, when they have children? Um, to give them an allowance. And that's to me teaching a child at a young age of how to kind of budget. If I get $30 every two weeks or I get $30 a week, if I go below my $30 on Monday and I don't get my paycheck until Friday, I think that's a form of helping young pe young adults learn the money management style of things. So I, I truly believe that we're talking about today money management one. We're going to follow up with money management two. Part of money management is knowing your budget mm -hmm. and knowing your credit because as, as we highlight on the chart, it's expensive mm -hmm. that bad credit, yeah. right? But it's also expensive not to know where your money's going. Mm -hmm. So how do we make sure that we're teaching the young adults that are that 14, 15, 18 years old? Because Tiffany hit something. When you hit that college campus, yeah. they're going to be all over you about getting a credit card. Yeah. How do we make sure they understand the rules of the game as young adults? I think you have to teach them early, like your point of allowance. I gave Jade an allowance, you know, from a very young age, but we right. split it between checking and savings. I let them know you can't spend all this. So a portion of it is going in your savings account and then you can spend this. And it was funny you said it because it was $30 and, that's what he got. <laughs> and he split it between his checking and savings. And he's a saver now. Like he will not just think to spend his money, but that came from me talking to him. I've been in financial services for 22 years exactly. and I didn't get information as a child. So I didn't make the best decisions, you know, yeah. right away. Mm -hmm. But learning from poor decisions that I had made made me realize, you know, you're going to make sure your son doesn't have those. So we just have to one talk with one another and try and set our kids up for success in ways that we may not have been set up for. Exactly. Success. Taking Absolutely. away the stigma by the educating. Yeah. My little girls are four and almost yeah. two. They got they have piggy banks that they're handling money. Are they using money the way they're supposed to be using? No, they're throwing it at each other. Yeah. They're touching it. Yeah. yeah. But it's in their lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as they get older we'll add one more layer to it and one more layer to it. Yeah. Um, now, you know, I don't have any, you know, older kids yet, so I can't exactly give the recipe on how to do that, yeah. but maybe, or 
The other thing, uh, so NARAB as an organization, one of our key focuses is advocacy. So we advocate for clients just or just the community, right? And one thing that we're supporting right now is a financial literacy bill that we're trying to push through um, the, the legislature so that it would be required for every high school student to take financial literacy. But until that happens, we have to be responsible for our own community exactly. and make sure we're we're sharing the information. And of course, we're going to say over and over again, use the nonprofit partners that are here mm -hmm. to help set you up for success. And they're here to do it for you at no cost. So use them to help you. Yeah. I, I, I would ask each of you to give a closing remark of what you think would be one or two key factors for people to take away around money management, for budgeting, and also one for credit. We'll start with you, Aaliyah. Really? Um, <laughs> let me see. So key takeaway? Yep. One or two key takeaways, one around budgeting and then one around maybe credit. Okay. I think for budgeting, I would say that I know that it can be intimidating, you know, to look at those dollars. Sometimes I don't want to check my account because I know I might have swiped just a couple, <laughs> few many times. But I think, you know, having that courage to, to know, right? I think knowing where your money is going is powerful. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's mm -hmm. no surprises. Like you don't, you don't have to have a conversation with somebody else. They're like, no, I know where my money is going. Mm -hmm. You know, that's powerful to take ownership of that and, you know, use your power, you know, use your power, be strategic so that people are fighting over you. You're not fighting for a yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sit back and decide, yeah. who do I want to go with? Do mm -hmm. I want to go with Bell Bank? Mm -hmm. Do I want to go with U.S. Bank? You know, and I think that's the thing is so that budgeting rolls into credit and to see those kind of paired up. Um, and so looking at your credit, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. your, your budgeting is powerful because it, you know, attaches to your credit and then your credit that's powerful. It's everything. So that would be. How my... about you, Jeff? Would make me follow that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yikes! I, I think the message is that luxury of choice, affording yourself that luxury of choice, and you don't get there by accident. You get there by proper planning, yeah. and planning is very difficult, or it can be, especially if you've never done it before. Know who is in your corner your advisors, your nonprofit partners, mm -hmm. we work for you. So the sooner you align with somebody that you trust, the faster you can get on that path to having the luxury of that choice. Mm -hmm. So I guess I've said yeah. enough today. That, that's nope, good. that's fine. We appreciate it. Tiffany? Good stuff. Uh, well, I say my, my key takeaway is one that I've said several times in this podcast is bad credit is expensive. Mm -hmm. So do not ignore what you have going on. You may have had some hiccups in the past. Do not ignore them. Address them so that you can start to repair mm -hmm. and improve your credit. You'd be surprised how many clients I've worked with where they come to me and on their credit report is they have a collection for under $100. Mm -hmm. And that collection is having a true negative impact on your score. And it's like it was $100. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so take action. Do not um, ignore things. And again, a budget is critical to take assessment of where mm -hmm. you are so you can get to where you want to be. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just get started and yeah. work with one of these great people for, you know, free to get you going. Well, again, one of the takeaways I'm going to say is free. I'm going to say no cost. Um, I think that's lovely. I do think NARAB TC would like to thank everybody for tuning in today. And you guys reach out to us. Reach out to Aaliyah at PRG, Jeff at Model Cities, and Tiffany at Bell Bank. And we as NARAB TC thank you and have a blessed day.